0: Welcome to Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. I'm your host, Eric L. Dunovet, the Mindset Disruption Strategist and President and CEO of Paradigm. My teams and I redefine success for purpose-driven families and businesses by challenging social norms and balancing family and finance to build kingdom impact and Welcome, everyone. This is Eric L. Donovan, the Mindset Disruption Strategist. We are here for another episode of Redefining Success. and Joining me today is Alan Draper. He's a serial entrepreneur, which I already love, because that's me too. Um, An investor, a business growth expert, and then an attorney. So I'm going to be more, you know, you don't meet many attorneys who are serial (laughs) entrepreneurs or business growth experts. So I want to know more about what's going on. So, Alan, thank you so much for joining me for the show
1: yeah great grateful to be here.
0: Hey, Alan before we kind of dig in, I'd love for you just tell my audience a little bit about you outside of business because we'll we'll talk about business as we go through the show here today
1: yeah so i'm I'm very involved in in my faith and with my family. I spend a lot of time um, volunteering uh, through my church and in my community. Um, I've been married for coming up on sixteen years. Nice. And we have three kids, a 10 year old boy named Maddox an eight year old boy named Jackson and a four year old girl named Olivia. And um, they're right at those ages where they're playing a bunch of sports or involved a lot in their school. And so that's keeping us really busy Um, They're My boys are actually playing two sports each right now. And my daughter's um, playing her first year of soccer. (laughs) Uh, My wife's coaching the soccer team. I'm helping with my 10 year old boys uh, baseball team and you know, I, a lot of times people will look at me and they'll think I'm younger than I am. So I'm, I'm going to be 43 and not that that's older or anything, but my oldest son is 10. I didn't have a child yeah. till I was almost 33. Um, and you know, they, they keep us busy and I'm kind of the nice thing about being older when you have kids is I feel like, um, not that you're ever really prepared until you do it. It's a lot yeah. like business in that way, <laughs> but I feel like we have a really good mindset about the moments, the hard moments and trying to enjoy those and appreciate them because I know they'll be gone too soon.
0: Oh yeah, no, they definitely will as someone who is
1: sitting on the other side of that
0: and launching my last one in the next few years. Hold on to each and every one of those moments. (laughs) Sounds like you've got a good balance though of being able to, if you're you're juggling that many activities and doing business, um, you found a good way to balance it.
1: I, yeah, balance is such an interesting word. And um, uh, Rory Vaden wrote a book. And in that book, I'm trying to remember what it was uh, procrastinate on purpose. Mm. And um, great book. And he talks about this idea of the focused imbalance. And Mm. what he means by that is um, it's really hard to achieve high levels of success with doing everything equally and i know that's not what people mean when they say balance i know that's not what they mean but i love having an opportunity to chat about my focus and and my strategy and that is when i'm at work like i'm talking to you right now eric yeah i'm talking to you right like my kids like uh, as much as i love them they don't exist right now right (laughs) um if something were happened obviously they would but yeah um that's the focused imbalance. Mm. Um, so I'll go through periods. I, I travel quite a bit for work. I just in Vegas for four days with a sales team uh, last weekend. That was my focus, and and a lot of times people think balance means equal, and mm. balance does not mean equal. Not if you're trying to achieve success in any area of your life. Yeah. And but the the short answer, that's the long answer. The short answer is I I do it with people. I surround myself with incredible staff and partners, and they allow me to scale businesses while focusing on the day-to-day.
0: Mm, mm, that's so good. What What are you passionate about most right this second?
1: Uh, in terms of business?
0: Yeah, or I mean, I guess anything, but yeah, but I mean, it's probably in business. What are you passionate about the most?
1: Um, I mean, my focus is on really on two things right now. It's uh, my own current startups, which which two big ones right now, I'm developing a, a software in the service, home service industry, and I uh, launched a digital marketing agency hmm. about a year and a half ago called Lizard SEM um, that's really starting to take off. Um, so, so those two things kind of in one category, so my startups, and then um, I'm getting a lot more into angel investing.
0: So one of the things that I saw when I was looking on your website um, was this idea of thriving business. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about what that means to you.
1: Yeah. The, the funny thing is that it's it's a lot like uh, relationships where it's diff- like something that might work for my kid at school is going to be different than somebody else's mm-hmm. just because there's so many things that come into play. And it's the same thing with what it means for somebody's business to thrive. Um, I have my businesses, um, have to be doing at least one and a half to two times revenue every year to, for me to say that they're thriving. Yeah. I have to be dang near doubling my business every year. I have a, uh, my first startup that wasn't real estate related was a pest control company of all things. I, I moved from Phoenix. I was practicing law. Um, I came home one day and I told my wife, Hey, um, Hey, Jules, we're, you know, I'm actually going to quit the law. <laughs> and, uh, and she's like, okay. And I said, and I'm going to be, become a bug guy. I'm going to start a pest control company. <laughs> and she's like, okay. And then I said, oh yeah. And we're moving from Phoenix to Detroit.
0: <laughs> oh, really? and she's like,
1: oh, and at the time we had a four month old and a two year old. Yeah. And you know, like the craziest thing is, she, it took a second to process, not very long. And she's like, let's do it. I believe in you. Mm. And, you know, so that company that's proof pest control started in Detroit in 2015. Um, We're well over eight figures and we almost double every year. And so for me, that's what thrive, you know, a thriving business means. However, some people, I was talking to an attorney yesterday that was asking, I also, I also own a law firm. I'm a partner named partner in a law firm, but I don't practice law anymore, but I had this attorney who I went to law school with and I was chatting with her yesterday and her idea of a thriving business is so wildly different than mine. And that's okay. Yeah. She, she wanted to hang a shingle, do her own thing, not have employees, you know, be more of a solo entrepreneur. And, um, that, you know, that's, that's completely fine. So when, when I'm helping businesses identify who they are and who they want to become, one of my first questions is like, Hey, where do you want to be in five years? And how do we get, how do we get you there? And it's different for Mm. pretty much anybody, but for me, Eric, if I'm going to start a business, I am going to scale that business. Mm. Mm.
0: Alan, what, what was it that gave you the bug, so to speak, to leave, talk, talk a little <laughs> bit more about how do you leave law to go do a bug business in Detroit of all
1: places? Yeah. You know, what's funny is that very few people like understood, but the people that understood the least, I remember I was at lunch probably a month before I left with a bunch of my law school buddies. There yeah. were probably six or eight of us. Yeah, And I'm like, Hey guys, uh, so I'm, I'm quitting the, the law firm and I'm, you know, doing this thing and they couldn't believe it. And I think they couldn't believe it because they were shoulder to shoulder with me through, you know, through law school, through the bar exam, through all of that, like pain and turmoil. Yeah. And so they, they just didn't get it. But, um, back in 2006, before I went to law school, I worked for a pest control company in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. And my brother Brent was a door-to-door salesman for that company. Mm-hmm. And he was really good at it. And in door-to-door sales, you can make a lot of money if you don't care about people slamming the door in your face and you have a good work ethic. And I'm talking really good money. Yeah. So I went out there. He, he tells me like, hey, let's, you know, you handle the operation side. I'll handle the sales side. And let's start our own company after this summer. And it fell apart. We couldn't get along. We didn't have the capital. We weren't mature enough. Mm-hmm. He sticks with it. So the entire time... Uh, I ended up going to work for a bank. Then I went to law school. Then I practiced law. That entire time, that what was that? Probably seven, eight years. He stuck with it, had a company of his own, and then about two or three years into my law practice, um, he was exiting one of his pest control companies. And I, I went to him. I'm like, man, maybe, maybe now's the time. And uh, the rest is history, as they say. <laughs>
0: What has been maybe some of the biggest obstacles if you've, as you've transitioned from being more kind of a practicing attorney to more of an entrepreneur business growth kind of focus? What, what have kind of been some of the obstacles you've hit along the way?
1: The interesting thing about obstacles is I think the obstacles always match your level of progress. Mm. So early on, your obstacles are going to be you know, paying the bills, which that, that I, I shouldn't undermine that or, or belittle that. Cause that's a really big thing. But when you're first starting up, starting out, that's like, it feels like it's, you know, it's the end of the world. Yeah. And, and then as time goes on, it becomes like, like more emotional things, you mm. know, like right, right now I have, I have 17 business partners. Mm. I own 27 businesses. I, I, and i and I'm an angel investor, so that doesn't include businesses where um I'm heavily invested in pre seed rounds but um right now, one of my biggest challenges is working with my partners mm. and not it's not just getting along with them it's it's um it's matching interests mm. and and before it was like, hey, I don't know if we have enough money to survive, which that was emotional but not emotional, like partners because my partners become my best friends, yeah. And, and it's, it's something I can, you know, if I have to call a vendor and say, Hey, a payment's going to be delayed. I have no problem, Eric sleeping at night. No problem. Right. If I have to call a partner and say, Hey, it's not working out or, Mm. you know, they're telling, they're calling me to tell me that it's a much more emotional, um, you know, conversation. And at the end of the day, recently I've been talking a lot about my partners and I've been talking a lot about legacy, and mm. I think my my professional legacy is not gonna be how I do professionally or in business. I think my track record at this point to some degree speaks for itself, yeah. but I think my ultimate legacy is going to be how well my partners do. Mm. And so right now, those are kind of the, those are the challenges that, the big ones that that are on my mind. Um, obviously I I start two businesses every year and so startup challenges, but those are things that I've done before. Yeah. Um, I have a business that is, um, I'm pulling the plug on in the next couple of weeks. Mm. Um, uh, it's just lost too much money and you know, there's those things, but I think the, the further I get in business, the, the more value I place on relationships, especially with my partners. Yeah. And because I place so much value, that's where, um, I experience most of my trials and challenges.
0: So what if, I mean, I think this would be important if you're willing to kind of have the discussion, what are some of the lessons that you've learned about, you know, because there are those relationships and sometimes business just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. What are some of the lessons you've learned in having to kind of transition some of those as you go through And Maybe you're still learning today, but what does that look like for
1: you? That's such a, a fantastic question. And it's, and I think you have to have a certain level of experience to understand the significance of that question because for me the the line between did i give this business mm. or this partnership everything i have before pulling the plug is it is very blurry it's a mm. it's a very gray area so this company that i'm talking about you know i've had the majority interest for a couple of years now and i think i struggle with that question like hey did i did I give it everything and yeah. and maybe i'm really close to turning mm. the corner with this business i just don't know it yeah so what i'm i'm basing it on is year over year numbers um you know gross profit like how how much am i am i profiting after you know it costs me you, you know the cost to do the service things like that but i think as human beings the unknown is what scares us more than anything. Mm-hmm. And when deciding to pull the plug on a business to cut your losses, as you know, an accountant would say, or a CFO, it's so difficult because you don't, you don't know, you yeah. you don't know. And it's a lot like gambling. Like, you know, if you're at the roulette wheel you, you, and you've been playing black all night and it's just not working out for you, that next spin could be red, but it's right. like, but you have to weigh the options. You and I, I think the big consideration is what is what is it preventing me from doing? What mm. else could I be doing with my resources? Not necessarily am I going to be able to turn the corner on this business, but what is, you know, my focus and my monetary resources being tied up in this venture. What what would that allow me to do if I did cut my losses with it? And that's mm. what I try to focus on. And when I do make the decision, Eric, I think this is the key you don't look back yeah you don't yeah. look back you don't ask what if you don't you know you don't stay around the roulette wheel and see what the next spin it you leave you're yeah. gone and you're doing something else and um i think regardless of the the decision you you know you either win or you learn
0: no that's good that's good alan i do you were talking about, so you started out when you first started the pest control business, that was just you, right? That was just you running the business, no part, no business partners.
1: Nope, that was my brother. My brother Brent and I started it together 50 50.
0: Okay. The one that was in Detroit. Yes. Okay. All right. So what did you learn? So that's one partner. What, I guess, along the way, too, what have you learned? Maybe even in the successful businesses, what is it like to have multiple businesses and multiple partners? And like, what did you think it was going to be like? Versus kind of what it's real, what are kind of some of the lessons you've learned as you've transitioned into that type of mode.
1: I th- there's a bunch that I've learned. I've learned probably more about being a partner than I've learned about business, and mm. I and I actually think that's the more important of mm. the two. Um, you know, right off the top, being being a business partner is a lot like a marriage. You just you know, and my trick to marriage is. You know, it's not Hollywood and everything's, you know, rainbows and sunshine. <laughs> it's stuff happens and you, you have to decide every day, Hey, it's just, we're just going to work at it again. Yeah. And it's exact same in a partnership, regardless of what happens. And when I look for a partner, I look for somebody and it's hard to tell sometimes. And I've failed with some partners. I've failed for probably four or five, maybe more, mm. um, but you look for somebody that is going to have that same attitude where it's like, Hey, this isn't going to be rainbows and sunshine. A lot of times it's going to be really hard work, but the one thing that won't happen is I will not give up. Mm. And um, so, so I think that's a really important uh, aspect of it. I think another really important lesson that I'm really starting to learn right now, as I'm, as I'm trying to retain some of these relationships is that, Just because, um, I have a vision or an interest in a company doesn't mean that my partner shares that vision Mm. and then, and that's okay. I have a lot of partners that, um, their only business is their business with me. So my partner, Mm. Matt is my partner with uh, my digital marketing agency and he runs the day to day. That's his only business. Yeah. So it would be really messed up of me to say, Hey, this is one of my 27 current businesses. I start to a year and this is how it's going to (laughs) be. So what I try to do is I try to get motivated, talented people that aren't going to give up. And I try to let them help craft the vision. Mm. And of course, kind of going back to the first part of our conversation, I'm going to want that person to scale the business. But beyond that, I want them to take it in their direction. So that's kind of the second thing is that um, allowing my partners to take companies in the way that they want to do that, as long as the the general principles match up with mine. And then I think the third big thing is the value of people, and this applies to everybody within my companies, but especially partners. I didn't I didn't catch that early on, and I remember when somebody would come ask me for a raise, I'd almost always decline them and. You know, mm. think I could just find somebody else. And it just takes so much time and money and training to get people caught up. And a lot of times, just like somebody that's quitting thinks the grass is greener, so does the employer. Like, oh, they're leaving. Oh, I'm gonna find somebody better. Right. And I've just been through it 50 or 60 times. And I've realized when you have somebody that's good, whether it's a partner, a manager, base level employee. You Mm. scratch and claw to keep them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How many businesses do you think that you can manage and own? Are you still finding your capacity?
1: No, I don't. So I'm getting more into passive um, ventures. um, And I don't really manage really any of them. Okay. So I'm involved um, on the growth side and uh, you know, I'll be involved in status calls or strategy meetings. Um, but my goal, you know, I could see myself being a large owner of at least a hundred companies. I'm not stopping. (laughs) (laughs) You have a niche that you really enjoy more than another. You know, the funny thing is that I enjoy the diversity. Oh, so I'm really good at home services. I have a podcast called the bug bucks podcast. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, we're, we're, building some businesses within bug bucks and the pest control, uh, category. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like I'm, I've got a good, I've been involved in that industry for about a decade. So I know quite a bit about that, but I got to the point where I wasn't growing. Mm. It just felt like I was, you know, going to work and, you know, doing my thing. And now I'm developing a software. And I have a call in, you know, 15, 20 minutes with my software partner and he talks about stuff and I, I'm not kidding. Like he'll probably listen to this, but, uh, you know, while he's talking, I'm Googling the the terms that he's (laughs) using so I can learn about that industry. He's usually, you know, saying words that I don't understand. He's not doing it to, you know, offend me or whatever, make me feel like I don't know what I'm talking about. He just, that he's just biz talk. Yeah. So I really thrive in at least personally but financially you know home services okay uh, and it's not a sexy industry and i i try not to get it out too much but people there are companies that absolutely crush it and if it yeah. weren't for my pest control company i would never be able to do what i'm doing today but ultimately i like the diversity i like making myself uncomfortable and getting into uh new areas that i have to learn something about
0: Your children are at such an incredible age right now. How have you been able to use this to kind of teach them about business and what's possible for the future?
1: It's funny because I think a lot of it is just in passing Mm. where they'll, they'll come in and like my daughter, just, just to the right of me. So I'm in my office, but just to the right of me, out of the corner of my eye, I saw her leave for school, but she kind of glanced over and I have these huge lights and my (laughs) microphone set up and and so I try to let them approach me on their schedule. Mm. So I can see her like saying, you know, she's four. So saying, daddy, I like those lights. And sometimes she'll come and she'll like s- sit on my <laughs> chair and she'll start singing into the microphone and stuff. <laughs> so um, that's kind of my method right now. My 10 year olds starting to get a little more curious. We talk a lot about money. Mm. Um, I'm trying to teach him the the value of money and um, things like that. And they talk a lot about both my sons want to be professional baseball players. Ah. And I talk to them all the time about, Hey, what can, you know, what can you do to, to do that and achieve that? And then I always hear them say, but if I don't make it, I'm going to work for you, dad. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is (laughs) what they don't realize is that they're going to start at the bottom. Yeah. Just like I did. But you you know, I think I'm not trying to shove anything down their down their throats. I, I really just want them to pick it up at their pace, but I've noticed that they're getting a lot more interested in, in what I do.
0: That's cool. Is there, Alan, we're going to, we're going to run out of time here real quick. Is there anything you didn't get to share? Or I
1: didn't ask you that you wanted to make sure that you got to share. I mean, it's weird because I, I've been reading business books and listening to seminars and, you know, for over 20 years, probably 25 years. And a lot of it is so cliche and it's, you know, Hey, don't give up. It's get your mind, right. Focus on what you want to achieve. And, and I heard it so much and I started to think it was cliche. And now that I've seen some things that have helped me become successful, I realized that most of that stuff is true. Yeah. And so for the people that are getting started, I would just, beg them to not discount something just because it sounds cliche or Mm. cheesy. Like, (laughs) um, I always thought like, I'm like, that's just weird. Like, don't, you know, I, I spend every morning, I spend 10 15 minutes focusing on what it feels like to have already achieved a specific goal. And I change the goal every day. And before I didn't really, um, I didn't really give that any, any credit. Mm. And now I'm like that those are the things that have allowed me to succeed. Beautiful. And so why reinvent the wheel? So for the for the listener, it's ultimately this idea that you know, you just just go after it. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, they did these studies, right, with these hospice nurses, and they found out that um the number one regret that people had on their deathbed wasn't that they had done something and screwed up it was what is, it was that they didn't try. Mm. And I just, it's just not how I want to live. So for the people that are scared, I say, go for it. And as I mentioned before, you're either going to win or you're going to learn.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that phrase. Um, Alan, if people want to get in touch with you, follow the work that you're doing, um, anything like that, what's the best way to do that?
1: Uh, My website Alan Draper.com. There's a link there to schedule a 15 minute chat with me. If they're wanting to start a business or they've started and they're trying to scale it, um, uh, I, I'm always looking for investments. Uh, 90% of them don't match with what I'm trying to do, but I still don't mind, you know, putting them on, giving them a thought or two about what I would do if I were them. And then my yeah. Instagram, I'm really active on Instagram. It's Alan R. Draper. Okay.
0: A-A-L-A-N for those of you who are listening. Just make sure you don't, and then Draper, D-R-A-P-E-R. Um, Alan, thank you so much for being here. We've reached the end of the show. My last question is always the same. So I'm excited to hear your answer. In three generations, what do you hope your great-grandchildren remember about you?
1: Yeah, so I was trying to you know, put this in perspective uh, to make it more practical, but whether it's reading or seeing videos or whatever it is, um, I think I would want them to know that I did hard things that I sought out discomfort, um, for personal growth. So that I, you know, ultimately that I traded in comfort for growth and hopefully that trickles down. And then that's every aspect of life. That's not just professional life or financial that's, you know, with your relationships and relationships are hard sometimes. Yeah. And so sometimes you you trade comfort for growth and sticking with things. And I think that's the lesson I would want them to know about, you know, my life.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate you kind of letting us step into your world and the way that you're doing that with your businesses and just kind of sharing even how hard it is sometimes to to make a choice <laughs> on shutting one down, man. That's a that's a hard place to be, but thank you for kind of sharing that with us. I know it's really valuable. Thank you for being here, Alan. I really, really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, my pleasure.
0: All right, everyone, we will be with you again next time. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you. Have a fantastic day. Eric L. Dunivett here. Thank you so much for joining us for Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. If you're a business owner or a family who is actively redefining success or have thoughts on kingdom impact or generational prosperity and you would like to be a guest on the show, then I invite you to apply. Visit www.ericldunovit.com slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to share that either through text or social media. Take a screenshot of the show and share that and share what you learned. If you know anyone that should be a guest on our show, we would also love for you to connect us to them. The best way to do that is to use hashtag redefining success. I love to read your thoughts and shares on social media and we also are honored just to get any recommendations of people that you think we should be interviewing on the show. We are constantly adding new content, adding new podcasts. So first and foremost, I'm going to recommend that you subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. Also, all of your likes, your reviews, your shares, all of that makes a big difference to the show. So if you'll include those when you can, we definitely appreciate it. If you'd like to get in touch with me, visit www.ericl360.com. and all of my connections to social and other ways to get in touch with me are there. This is Eric L. Donovan, the Mindset Disruption Strategist, signing off until next time.